Hello, my name is Bob Budiansky, and you are listening to the Marvel Card Collecting Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Ian Taylor, and welcome to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, brought to you by the Marvel Cards Fan Collective, an awesome community of card collectors and creators. You can find our two groups on Facebook, details of which are at the end of this podcast, so come check us out. With me, as always, is my co-pilot in all things Marvel Cards. He may have sleepwalked onto this podcast today, but it will be a transformative experience. For all of this, I'm certain. It's Norin Rad. You are so good. That was you're actually so quite crazy. That was quite crazy. No, I thought it was. I loved it. No, you're fantastic. Please, I love it. Bless you. Love so it, good. and it it involves a, a couple of different hints of our special, special, special guest today. It does. It does. Um, you do realize people would have seen the name of the person on the. Actual. Damn it! Of course they would have. You're yep. right. Yeah, but that actually gives them that. a clue. Um, yeah. Without any. This is a second clue on top of the name clue. It is a second clue. Well, there'll be a third clue now because I'm actually going to introduce <laughs> our guest. Uh, actually, he can tell him, tell people himself. Um, I, so we did, we did episode back way back on episode 52, Norin, if you remember. Yep. Yes. When we spoke to the I lovely, was there, I think you were there. You were there. Is um, audio evidence of the fact that you were there on the on the internet. Um, we spoke to the lovely, lovely Ken Baroff who worked at Impel, which then became Skybox, which then became something else. I, I lose I lose the, the thread of it. Um, but he, of course, worked on the um, Masterpieces 92 and a lot mm. of those other fun sets. Um, and there's a photo that we, we saw that Joe Jusko, good evening, sir, um, shared, where Joe is being given a a watch, I believe, um, to commemorate his awesome efforts on Marvel Masterpieces 92. So we saw Ken in that photograph, where the other gentleman in that photograph um, has, has had the, the most incredible um, um, uh, resume of work um, at Marvel Comics and elsewhere. Um, Bob Budiansky. I, I paused there, Bob, sorry, because I know that you asked me to check that your surname uh, was correct. Uh, Bob is with us on the podcast. Uh, good afternoon. Good morning, Bob. Uh, good morning, Ian, and good morning, Norrin. Or I should say, I guess, to Ian, good afternoon to you. Yeah, afternoon here. <laughs> morning for you guys. Morning for you guys. Um, and who knows what time it is where people are listening. So, um, uh, Bob, I've, I, I knew of and enjoyed a lot of your work before I knew about you if that makes sense i'm sure you've possibly heard that before um and i didn't realize until um i started checking out what you had done in the past that you're responsible for uh co-responsible for one of my favorite issues and um, one of my favorite ghost rider covers ever which i will hold up to my camera and i'm sure you'll recognize that oh yes that's uh, circus of crime yes ah i <clears throat> this is possibly my all-time and this will be on the show notes for for people listening you can go and check it out ghost rider volume one issue 73 from 1982 i was but nine years old you can do the math um when and and this issue is just I just love the cover of this comic. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, so clearly, you, you have um, 
you've just done some amazing stuff while you're at Marvel. When did you start working at Marvel? I started working at Marvel in May of 1976. Wow. Okay. And you were there because I've I've read a, a couple of other interviews with you. You were there um, pretty much twenty years. Is that is that yeah, right? Yeah, almost twenty years. Wow. Okay. Um, and what did you? What, what were you? Tell us how you because we'll get onto the trading card stuff in a minute. I'm just I'm just curious to know the journey. How did you come to work at, at, at Marvel and what what was your kind of routine through through that? Well, like like many Marvel artists, I was a civil engineering major in college. Just joking. I was a civil engineering major in college. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was also uh, an artist in the student newspaper. I had a strong interest in comic books. And uh, eventually, um, when I was in grad school for transportation engineering, a friend of mine had graduated the same year that I did the previous year. He had gotten a job, an entry-level job, as an editorial assistant in the Marvel British Department. And um, I'd come down to visit him and uh, during the holiday breaks and so on. And I met a couple of people up there. Anyway, eventually, about a year after he started, uh, in May of 76, he called me up and he said, I'm leaving my job. I found another job. Do you want to interview for my job? So I interviewed for his job, which was editorial assistant at the Marvel British Department, which was basically a reprint department that yeah. uh, took American comic books, reprinted them for the British market. And um, after about a half hour telephone interview, because I was uh, 400 miles away from the mobile <laughs> office at the time, I was up in college, um, my boss, my future boss, Larry Lieber, Stanley's brother, um, said, okay, I need somebody Monday. <laughs> so that was a Wednesday and I dropped out and was there Monday. Wow. That's... Straight down. That's phenomenal. That's crazy. Wow. 30-minute conversation, invited by Stan Lee's brother, and boom, it's over. It's there. Wow. Yeah, I mean, just we had a nice conversation. The fact that I had met a couple of the guys that worked in that yeah. department, and I knew Jay, my predecessor, um, and he recommended me, you know, really helped quite a bit. And uh, and he was desperate because Jay was leaving. <laughs> so, he needed somebody <laughs> help. so desperation uh, is, a, is, a, is a door to opportunity, you know, for, for some other people. You know, like, yeah, Love it. Times call for desperate solutions, I suppose. So anyway, it worked out really well. We worked well together. And, uh, and then about a year later, I went to uh, go freelance, continuing to work for Marvel. And then... I bounced around and diff I didn't have anything regular. I didn't have any regular gigs, but I had, you know, I had enough work to keep my, uh, to, help, to help me pay my bills and all that. And, um, and then about two years after that, Marvel invited me back as a, as a, instead of editorial assistant, an assistant editor on the regular monthly comic books, no longer in the British department. And then I quit to go, I quit to, uh, draw Ghost Rider, like the comic book you just mm -hmm. held up. So, mm -hmm. um, but while I was on staff as an assistant editor, I became a semi-regular ghostwriter cover cover artist, which is very unusual to be the cover artist, especially somebody as young as I was at the time, um, to be the cover artist and not draw the interiors. But I could not. There was no way I could draw the interiors as a, as, 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 while I had a full-time job anyway. But I could do a cover once a month. And then that, that eventually evolved into uh, an offer to do the entire book. And then I quit. To, uh, I quit my editorial position to, to do the entire book. And that lasted maybe a year, year and a half, two years. And then I was invited back on staff. When Ghost Rider ended, I was back on staff uh, as a full editor. And that started around 1983. Wow. Okay. Um, 
I I know and uh, almost everything when I whenever I resort to Doctor Google to do <laughs> to do some research um, on guests, which is tends to be everyone's first port of call. Um, a lot of the stuff that comes up would probably be the kind of next step on that journey. And I know you've spoken about this at enormous length on a number of interviews, and I've seen some uh, panels that are recorded on YouTube where you've spoken about your time on Transformers um, and how um, <coughs> how much work was put into that. I mean, without we're not a Transformers podcast, but I'm, I know people really dig Transformers alongside all the other um, Marvel work in the trading cards. So tell, tell us how that, that journey kind of fit into your path through Marvel in the 80s? Well, um, as I mentioned, uh, in 83, I came back on staff as a full editor, and um, I had different jobs there, you know, doing some monthly books, doing some limited series, et cetera. I was doing some – I was mostly known as an as a editor artist, but I had done some writing work for the editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter. And um, anyway, uh, another act of desperation – so what happened was in November of 83, uh, this is before I got involved, uh, Jim Shooter was involved with Hasbro in developing the Transformers as a comic book. So Jim Shooter is actually the person who wrote the uh, the backstory, the, the, the treatment of the Transformers that everything else was based on. He did that, did that as part of his regular day job. Didn't take an extra wow. dollar. Uh, but he wanted to hire somebody else to develop the characters. There initially were 26 characters in the Transformers for that first uh, that first rollout of the first bunch of toys. Mm. And uh, he hired a senior editor who had a lot of writing experience to come up with names and character profiles, and he didn't like them. And I don't know why he didn't go back to that senior editor and ask him to rewrite some of the stuff to, more to, get, to get more to his liking, but didn't happen. So one day, um, this, I remember this very specifically, it was probably like the, the Wednesday or Thursday before Thanksgiving, before the weekend before Thanksgiving, November of 83. So, um, uh, so that, you know, I mean, I, Ian, I know you're, you're not in the States, but if, if you have any sense of Thanksgiving around here, oh, I know. people yeah. are making holiday plans. They're, they're trying to tie everything up. They're, they're probably taking the week off. They're trying to get out of town. You know, yeah. it's just, it's kind of crazy. Mm. So this is the week before. And he's going down the going down editorial row, each editor's office, and looking for writer editors, you know, editors who have writing experience, and asking them, "Hey, could you take this project and come up with twenty six characters and their profiles over the weekend before Thanksgiving?" So I know he went to um, Larry Hama, who had developed GI Joe for Marvel, and Larry turned him down. He went to a couple other editors who had some writing experience. Finally, I was about the fourth or fifth choice. So again, act of desperation. So he came to me. So I said, sure, I'm not doing anything this weekend. So over the weekend, uh, I think we kept two of the names that the previous writer had come up with. I came up with the other 24 names, wrote up all the character profiles. Uh, Jim Shooter liked them, and then he passed them on to Hasbro. And, and then the rest was, you know, history. In other words, for five years, I remained on the Transformers as the uh, prime person developing their names and character profiles, which wound up on the back of the boxes. I named about 250 of them. And, um, and meanwhile, I was also the editor of the miniseries that initially started the Transformers at Marvel Comics, the four miniseries. And then when it trans- trans- transitioned into a regular monthly book, because at the time Marvel had no idea if it was going to be successful or not, so it wasn't planned as a monthly book. Mm. Uh, but then it became a monthly book with issue five. 
So between issue five and 55, I was the writer. I wrote all of those issues except for maybe two or three. And um, so for from November of 83 until the spring of 89, I was I was Mr. Transformers at Marvel. Wow. Wow. What was that experience like? I mean, you know, coming up with character names and backstories, like what were some of your influences? What were, I mean, I know this is a little off topic and we won't talk about this, yeah, forever, I on. promise, because <laughs> I'm terrible at this. I always derail our podcast. But I'm just, you know, from a, from a writer's perspective, you know, you're coming up with these names, you're finding out alliteration sounds like what were some of these like kind of opportunities that you were looking at and, and different resources and influences? Well, if you're a writer, you probably know this. You've got to be kind of a sponge. So whatever, you, yeah. whatever you're exposed to, you got to absorb. So whether it was old TV shows or movies or books or what I read in the newspaper, uh, certainly the toys themselves were suggested names. You know, I looked at before I did anything. I looked at the toys or uh, or model sheets of what the toys were going to look like and how they transformed from one form into a different form, and uh, and that was my initial inspiration. And then I was just playing, just doing wordplay. It also helped. It also helped a lot that um, I was I was into crossword puzzles, so um, I had a lot, you know some capacity for playing around with words in my head. Uh, and probably the last thing, a little anecdote here. Um, I used to meet regularly with uh, various Hasbro executives and marketing people and all that. And at some point after I had produced, I don't know how many of these names, you know, a few dozen of them, and and again they were fairly pleased with what I would turn in. One of them said, were you ever in the military? And I, I and also about, I uh, shouldn't say just names, I came up with character profiles too, which had all sorts of technical jargon in it. And he said, uh, did, were you ever in the military? I said, no, I wasn't. He said, well, because you have all of these, you know, you use all these words and, you know, we love it. Uh, but, you know, where do you come up with all this stuff? And I said, well, I was a civil engineering major. And so it's the only time in my professional career that, my civil engineering major really came in handy, coming up with some jargon for a uh, toy box copy for the Transformers. So, wow. Because there is such a level of realism with those characters, right? In terms of, I mean, I know realism is probably not the right word, but there is like a level of world building that has to go on there, right? And every that good was, world that building was really, stuff. Uh, yeah. One of the really, uh, uh, the parts of the Transformers that really appealed to me because working at Marvel, I'd already worked at Marvel when Transformers came along for like seven years. I'd grown up reading Marvel comics and the Marvel universe is a wonderful place to, 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 to live in as far as a reader and as far as a, a writer and an artist. However, if you're writing as Iron Man or Spider-Man at that time or whatever it was, you have to know all of this backstory, all of these, you know, what happened back in 1967 when they fought, yeah. when, when this character fought that character, you know, and you have to like know all of this uh, continuity. The Transformers was my own sandbox to play in. Nothing had been established except for Jim's original premise that he wrote in his six page treatment. And so um, I was able to expand the universe in pretty much any direction I felt I wanted to expand it into. And it really made it a lot easier uh, and a lot more um, fun, you know, not to be limited in that, in, in, in that respect. I mean, there were, it were, obviously there were certain limitations, you know, it was a comic book for kids, you know, it can't have anything uh, R-rated or anything like that in it. But um, but still, it gave me a lot of opportunity to, uh, to uh, exercise my imagination and come up with what I wanted to do. I think it's so magical that you were able to, that your contribution to this and your creations have kind of 
expanded such expanded in such real ways for people in their imaginations and in their own kind of structures as characters and all that stuff. Really, really amazing. That's amazing. Bob. Well, Norm, thank, thank you for sharing that. that. But my intention was not to do that. It was to make a buck. <laughs> <laughs> not so noble. How dare you, I mean, sir? I'm glad. I mean, I've gone to a lot of conventions and, and, you know, people have come up to me and said very similar things to, to me. And, and I, I, I'm very flattered when people say, oh, you know, I, I read the Transformers and it, it, you know, so, so full of ideas and the characters we all had different, you know, personalities and it was great. I said, you know, I, that's great, but I was on a deadline and I had yeah. to turn in, a, I had to turn in a story every month. And that was my prime motivation to, to just, you know, come up with a good story and, and get to the next one after that, you know, so, but uh, I'm, I'm very happy. And I'm, and, and what's even, even more amazing and, and very similar to what we're going to be talking about in a couple of minutes, I, I suppose, is that this is work I did. 30, 35 years ago, and people are still looking at it today and and still want to talk to me about it today. Yeah. And uh, back then, comic books was a very trans, you know, like a very temporary sort of a medium. You wrote a comic book, it was out for that month, and then you wrote the next comic book, and you didn't think yeah. it was going to have this long lifespan. And yet, here I am. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, funny, we had. Um... <laughs> I know you mentioned before we, we started recording that you listened to most of our interview with um, uh, Greg Hildebrand recently, and um, it's one of the things that we, we were saying to him, as I'm, I'm sure you heard, um, is how for, you know for that. I mean, they they I mean they gave it their all, obviously, and you can see in the quality of the work that, that Tim and Greg did on that set, Masterpieces '94. You know, it's incredible. But then the, the number of people uh, there's, there's two sides to it there's the people who who remember buying that when they was when they were children a lot of them uh, who are now adults and are enjoying that you know with their their kids and the other half of that is the fact that there are people who are discovering it now as new and you know we we're kind of saying to greg you know this and this is a big big deal for a lot of people to be able to hear you talk about the work because it it, it does play as such a um uh, uh, maybe not. I, mean, I wouldn't say personality developing, but in some cases, you know, people have gone on to pursue careers in in art or in writing yeah. as a result a lot of, of, the modern, of some of the stuff. So, yeah, a lot of the modern artists we speak to who work on sketch cards and are trying to get into Marvel kind of came from the trading card background, right? Where they like saw the trading cards when they were kids, like, I want to do that. Like with Joe Jusko's work or Greg Hilbert. And speaking about deadlines, Greg was just talking to us about how he had to do the Star Wars poster under a deadline. The most iconic, one of the most iconic movie posters in all, in all cinematic history. So it's, it's, yeah, you know, so we've heard these stories before. And again, this is a beautiful segue into our actual topic, which is Marvel trading cards. <laughs> so you're finishing your your run on Transformers, late 80s. And um, you before we recorded, you sent us the list of 11 sets that you worked on. Um, Marvel Universe is one through four. Marvel Masterpieces, 92, 93, 94. X-Men 1, the Jim Lee one, X-Men 2, X-Men 3, 1994, which, would that be the first Fleer Ultra X-Men? Should Potentially. be. Yep. So. Um, and Spider-Man, uh, the uh, Mark Bagley series, uh, the 94 set. Um, so so that that's quite a list. But going back to kind of the eight, late 80s, obviously the first Marvel Universe was, was 1990. And for many people, that's the start of the the kind of the big era of Marvel trading cards, because I know that there were some sets being produced by comic images in the late 80s um, using um, artwork from books. 
So how did that move from comic images creating sets to Marvel kind of, as I understand it, directing and and and, and kind of putting out the, the product themselves with you kind of as an integral part of that? So can you tell us how that started from your involvement? Okay, well, I, I wish I had the answer to part of what you were asking, which is mm-hmm. how did that transition from comic images doing pickup art license, uh, pickup art trading card sets to in-house created trading card sets. I wasn't involved in that decision, um, but we had a licensing director at the time, Alan Gordon, who was uh, dealing with comic images and uh, other licensees and so on. And, um, and uh, perhaps the publisher at the time and perhaps the editor in chief, I don't know, some people got together and said, we're going to, we're going to proceed with trading card, but we're going to bring him in house. Maybe, you know, there was probably some, not to slam comic images. I don't mean to do anything to denigrate them. They were actually pretty good licensees, I recall. Uh, but somebody decided we're going to up, you know, up the um, quality level, we're going to make original artwork, put it out there, you know, control what it looks like by doing it here. And at the time I was special projects editor. So, um, uh, I, I know you made it sound like I transitioned from stopping transformers to stopping working on transformers to working on trading cards. It's not. It's not quite like that. I did transformers as a freelancer, but I had a full time job as a, as an editor. So um, that was my the work I did at night and on weekends when I was writing transformers. So we're uh, independent of that. As special projects editor, I handled anything that was not mainstream monthly comic books. So that involved. Uh, uh, retail poster program, movie adaptations, working with toy companies and developing their their products into comic books, et cetera, et cetera. And so then Marvel decided to do Marvel trading cards in-house. Who's the obvious person to do that? Me. So, um, And I had an editorial staff to help, to help me uh, produce all of these different things. So... Um, so that was that started with the Marvel Universe 1990 series that Impel put out. Uh, it was designed in-house. Um, we didn't really know what we were doing. We we just grabbed like, okay, you're an artist. You can you know how to draw all these characters here. You do you do 20 of them and you do 30 of them. And and I you know I remember one of our uh, up and coming young artists, uh, Tom Morgan, did a whole bunch of them, a whole bunch of them, and. Uh, I'm still in touch with Tom today, and he's he's always posting his uh, his commissions that he's doing for somebody on on Facebook, and uh, he has this amazing chameleon-like ability to imitate almost anybody's style. wasn't as good as it back then as he is today, perhaps, but still, he was you know very versatile. So, um, so so we pulled all this together. Um, I came up with the, what would go on the backs. I grew up uh, being a baseball card collector, mm. so. I I knew that I knew how to I knew how baseball cards worked. Didn't, didn't know anything about the trading card industry. I dropped off trading cards of any type for decades. Um, but I thought I thought well, you know we have uh, we have all these characters and and uh, we'd already established they have power ratings in the Marvel Universe comic books. And why don't we adapt that and put them into the uh, cards? And we'll come up with some other statistics whether whether fake or real, like, you know, we came up with how many, what percentage of battles they won. And uh, I know for, for the Aunt May card, how many pies she baked, 
You know, yeah. we, did, we did whatever we felt I'm like. I'm going to find that now. I've got, I've got the binder here. Yeah, <laughs> That's uh, amazing. It's you know, so funny because I just spoke to Tom Morgan because I was able to um, buy, buy a Silver Surfer collector, a huge Silver Surfer collector, far bigger than me, who's really nice. Um, his name is Mark. I forget his last name right now. Um, he sold me the original art piece that Tom Morgan did for the set. Oh, great. So the original yeah. black and white, and Tom was so pleasant. Just, just funny how it comes full circle. Because, yes. no idea. Yeah, we're a small family. We all connect to each other. <laughs> all connected. And we stay connected, even though we've all gone different ways. Um, so, uh, so anyway, I put all that together. I remember um, there would be a trivia facts on um, on old baseball cards. So I came up with the "Did you know?" as a little yeah. extra extra fact about each character, um, and. Uh, we came up with different color schemes, I believe, for the different, you know, for villains and for heroes and so on. Um, so we just had as much fun as we could trying to make these cards stand out and be appealing to our fans. And also realizing that we would try to uh, pull in new people who just like trading cards and would like these colorful cards full of all these weird characters and might, might pick up the uh, trading card and decide to buy some comic books as well. And uh, that's how it began. A little summary. <laughs> That's so crazy. So we're looking at the back of the 90 sets now because Ian and I can't help I just found the Aunt May one. I'm sorry. I don't That's know why great. I've never noticed this before. Pies baked, well, 984. Meal served, 11,743. <laughs> <laughs> Wrinkles on face. Too many to count. <laughs> and this is the one I love. Life-threatening illnesses recovered from 23. Because, of course, she's always in peril at some point during Spider-Man's That's right. uh, history. <laughs> That's outstanding. Well, you have it on the back of Stan Lee. No prizes awarded, 547. Comics written, uncountable. I mean, there's just so many fun facts. Favorite saying, enough said. Love all of this. I mean, it's just phenomenal to see these cards and to hear that you guys were just having so much fun. By the yeah, way, this- I don't know if um, Ken showed you this, but... Um- oh, don't do that. Don't show me that. Don't... Oh, my God. <laughs> so what we're seeing here, folks, is, oh. is an uncut sheet of Marvel Universe 1990. Um, it's just wonderful to see that. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, I have more. <laughs> yes, I mean, you do. <laughs> we'll put images of these on the tasting notes, folks, for those who. Oh my God. This wow. one came in several sheets. Yeah, that's right. And so on. I don't want to bore you, bore your audience. No, oh, no, no. They're fine. They can wait. They're, they're okay. okay. Yeah, I think we need the uh, the other two sheets. One. Oh my God. And here's another. Goodness me! Okay. And we're only with the fir- we're only at the first set. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. I so, what I do what I do like about the first set actually. We were talking about this uh, with Ken was the number of different um, four sheet promos that there were through various places like previews and, um, yes. and, and, and the number diamond. of different promos you said yeah these um these little oh, four yeah, sheet yeah. ones that um these have got the diamond logo on the back so obviously mm-hmm. through there there's a there's a number of different ones and they're the, they're, they're such nice little things to chase as collectibles because obviously those big uncut sheets that you've seen don't don't come up very often um but these yeah. are these are rather lovely um little things to chase um 
when you see them. And I'm, in fact, no, I think I bought most of those from you, if I remember correctly. Possibly. Yeah, I, I remember getting so. a bunch. I, I got you... a bunch from a collector. and uh, Yeah, so passing, moving, passing it forward. I know you <laughs> uploaded some. Um, tell, tell um, I, I almost said Uncle Bob there. Forgive me, um, Bob. But <laughs> the reason I almost said Uncle Bob, and if I say that again, please take it as a term of endearment as opposed to anything else. So I used to work with a guy in the West End called Bob West, who, who passed away a few months ago, sadly. Um, and everyone called him Uncle Bob. So whenever I say the name Bob, I always proceed it with uncle um let's um uh, tell uh, oh. <laughs> uncle bob the story of this um hologram uh Norin, and those holograms still hold hologram. up there's five in the set it's a beautiful beautiful thing so how did that come to thing like you so you're looking at baseball cards you're thinking of holograms what was the process there well in general not just this set um the people who i was working with at the trading card company would suggest what you know what i think is commonly called chase cards um mm. I believe that's the term again yep, yes. remember i didn't i knew nothing about trading cards when i walked into this so so i didn't go there and say hey we got to do metallic cards we got to do hologram cards we got to do you know whatever you know whatever lenticular cards i didn't tell them anything they came to me and said we have all these choices we think this would be a good idea for this set i said sure let's do it you know so um I mean, I, I, I would I would defer that questions to those kind of questions to the people on the production end of things. You know, mm. the people are actually mm. printing cards. Well, that's um, that's those obviously. I mean, who 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 were they, who were they called at this point? At that point, they were called Impel. So obviously, yeah, yeah. Ken's very much the um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, in that camp. Um, but but Norin, uh, you you have the original production. Plate. Uh, yeah, plate. So I was, hologram, mate. <laughs> it's just yeah, well, yeah, so I'm I'm a dangerous person. But, oh, um, he's, he's yeah. going to get it now, right. Okay. So we we did an episode while <laughs> he's gone away. We did an episode and and no one was very much like um Oh, I've got something really exciting. I could tell you really itching to tell me something. Um and you proceeded to obtain this rather nice item, including a description of how the things are actually made. Yes, from someone who worked at the factory where you guys got these done, full circle. Um, he, you know, talked about the chemical baths, talked about the negatives. So it's just, you know, looks like the card. It just has, um, I'll get rid of the blur. But basically, it's the card and it's just a metallic plate in terms of how they were printed. I don't know how much this interests you, but... You know, it's pretty crazy to see that it is metallic and it's yeah. a sheet. So they're created there and they make copies, which are called sheems or shims. I forget shims. how it is. Mm. Shims. And um, yeah, so just pretty kind of full circle. Just amazing. So I think, you know, to, to progress forward, you're there, you're making these cards keep moving us forward through this timeline because i feel like i'm vicariously living through your life right now and i know it's creepy <laughs> but i'm here for it so uh well i it's been a while so i don't have every statistic in my head but my impression no, was no that, that marvel universe 1990 set did very well in the marketplace you know it blew out of the stores uh i believe uh it opened up new new um uh, places to sell these cards, like comic book retail, direct market shops. You know, they wanted them for their customers. So it got a very favorable response from the public. And before you know it, 
you know, what are we doing next? So we did a Marvel Universe 2 set, I believe was the next set that we did, That's right. which was mm-hmm. in 1991. And, um, and the big change, as far as I was concerned, I mean, obviously you wanted to build on what we were doing. Uh, I think the big change was we diversified the number of artists. You know, we tried to find artists who were more connected to some of the characters, um, for uh, at least for our fan base, the people who were already buying the comics, they'd be, you know, perhaps more into, uh, mm-hmm. you know, seeing that the, the artist who drew the comic book was also drawing, drawing the card. Yeah. Um, but uh, the main thing was the the, uh, the the design of the cards. So, like I said, the first set we did in house, we had our our, uh, our the head of our production, or the I don't know, maybe not the head, but <clears throat> the person who was number two in our production department. Uh, Dawn Geiger, who's now now named Dawn Dawn Guzzo nowadays, but Dawn Geiger, um, she designed the cards. So, but that was part of her, that was in addition to her regular job of running the Marvel bullpen, which is where all the production work was done. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a, you know, a a big ask to tell her to, you know, do this as well as do your regular job. So we farmed out the uh, design of the cards. And the way that happened, uh, you, you, kind of touched upon it briefly earlier you mentioned the stan lee card okay so now if you look at that stan lee card that shows stan, a portrait of stan in the 1990 set you, know, you definitely wanted to include stan there it is mm. uh we definitely wanted to include stan because he's stan lee he's he's you know as, as, as responsible as anyone for the modern marvel universe and so on yeah. um so this portrait of stan had been done several years earlier for a fan magazine that Marvel put out, uh, I think it was Foom, Friends of That's Old right. Marvel. That's right. right. And somebody remembered, hey, why don't you use that portrait of Stan? So um, I had a hot, now we were paying a certain fee to do original artwork for each one of these cards. This artwork already existed and it had already been paid for. Uh, the the um, you know the, 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 the uh, printing, uh, film the film that it was printed from existed somewhere in our in our files and and so we could just pull that and, and reprint it but we wanted to be fair so we wanted to hunt down the artist who did that and say we'd like to reprint your artwork for a trading card and so his name is Arnie Sawyer that's right and Arnie um, happened to be at the time he did that that uh, portrait he happened to be a neighbor of Stan's out in uh, Long Island, like his family were neighbors with Stan. They lived like next door or something. I don't know. And he wanted to, he was a big comic book fan. He wanted to do a portrait. He came up doing that portrait. And then Stan, uh, then Arnie went on to to start his own graphic design firm in in Manhattan. So I I called up Arnie, found out all this information. I have to say Arnie was very suspicious of me. You know, (laughs) like we want to, we want to reprint your artwork for this Marvel trading card set. We want to pay you this fee. Well, you can pay me. I said, well, that's what we're paying everybody else, and they're actually doing original artwork. This one you already got paid for, so I think we're you know being pretty fair about it. Well, okay. Anyway, once we got past that initial uh, discomfort level, um, uh, Arnie's a great guy, and he's a terrific designer, and he had a whole studio full of designers helping him. And when he found out we were doing Marvel trading cards, and we needed a designer, you know, like. It was like one and one makes two, you know, like it, it, we were a perfect fit. And he went on, he went on to design all the sets that you mentioned earlier. Wow. Every set, the Marvel universe two, three, four, all the Marvel masterpiece sets, 
Uh, and he, he, has a, he has a credit on a lot of the checklists, by the way. If you look at the checklist of the later sets, you'll see his name there as designer. Um, oh. <laughs> so what? just by this weird accident that we, we dug up this old portrait of Stan Lee, we found a, an incredible designer. And his office was only a few blocks from the Marvel office, so I'd walk over there and we would talk about, like, you know, what are we going to do for this set? What are we going to do for the design on the fronts and the backs? And it was, a, it was an incredible relationship. Wow. Wow. Here we go. Yeah. Marvel Universe 92 checklist. Creative okay. director Bob Budiansky, that's you. Designer Arnie Sawyer. Background paintings by Joe Jusko, of course. We And by the way, yeah. I have a credit on that card and subsequent checklists. Because Arnie wanted a credit. He says, I want a credit. You know, I said, okay, well, if you're going to get a credit, I'm going to get a credit. I'm more responsible for this than you are. <laughs> so then I started giving myself a credit. And I decided I'm going to call myself the creative director. Because I was. Well, you were. Wow. You were. You are. That's Arnie. You Thanks, Arnie, it. for that credit. <laughs> wow. That's, it's interesting you mentioned the um, – I'd never kind of realized it because I'm looking at Marvel Universe 2, 91, um, card number 2 because it just struck my eye. And, of course, that that's Daredevil. And if I'm not mistaken, that is John Romita Jr.'s uh, artwork. Yeah, it looks like it, yeah. Um, it's definitely the, the style of his – the way he does the hashing yes. um, on there. And, of course, he was the um, artist at the time, I believe. So, yeah. Um, because I've got them around. Yeah, the that time we were we were going directly to the per, the people who were most responsible for the way the characters were looking in the comic books, and if they were available and willing to do it, we'd work with them. Well, that absolutely makes sense because then you've got that connection. That's uh, kind of okay. It's a different product to the comics, but it, it it's of it's of the same cloth. You know, if you're if you're a kid buying the comic and then you get the cards, and if the style matches, then that, that's the that's kind of a no-brainer. Funny enough, that's actually what happened to me. So my first card was 1992 Marvel Universe Series Three, um, Silver Surfer, and that was Ron Lim who did that one. And I was reading the comic books of Ron Lim, and I remember being a kid and seeing that artwork and reading the bio and everything like that, and. Obviously, making that connection. Wow, what a really crazy full circle type of thing that is. Okay, we wanted the cards to be as authentic as they could be, not just some random piece of art that was picked up from some issue from thirty years earlier. Just you know, this is what the characters are today. And uh, right. I think uh, most of the time, he, except for the special sets like where we hired uh, Joe Jesco or Greg, Greg and Tim Hildebrandt, yeah. you know, most of the time he succeeded at doing that. Um, wow. So. So That's these, amazing. So these cards are selling really well. Um, one, one of the things I love, I, I wish I'd pulled it out of my, I've got about 15 long boxes of comics around the corner here, but they're not, they're not within reach. Um, I remember seeing the most fantastic little thing in um, Marvel Age, and I love Marvel Age because it, it's, um, it's kind of your kind of preview of what's coming up in the Marvel you know, uh, comics. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a comic about Marvel comics. And I remember there seeing a double page spread about Marvel universe, 1990, which was mock-ups of the different people who worked at Marvel at the time, the names that readers would know done as, as, as cards from the Marvel universe series. Um, as I wish characters. I had it in front of me now because I can't remember the, the, who was in it. I can't remember if you were on that one, but, um, I remember, I remember just just seeing that and thinking that's absolutely genius. A little bit of a yeah. I was trying. I was wondering if I had one of them at, at uh, within arm's reach here. 
Well, I was going to ask because I, I had heard a rumor on the, and you might not remember this. I had heard a rumor that those those were actually, aside from the printed spread in the comic, that those were actually made in a very small quantity. They were. They were. Oh. Um, in fact, I have an uncut sheet upstairs. Oh um, wow! Okay. Oh, I can run up and get it. It's really, it's very. It's, I know exactly where it is. But um, but basically, it showed the Marvel editorial and sales and marketing staff. That's it. And we would give them out at conventions. Oh, right. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. So, uh, we wow. Had, we've done two years in a row. And we'd, you know, we'd get the different artists to, to draw our portraits and um, <clears throat> and then write, you know, who we are on the back of the cards and have a space where we could sign them, as, you know, put That's an autograph right. in there. I remember and, they, uh, they are extremely sought after as well. Really? Yeah. Wow. They're oh, really yeah. Sought after. I have a stack of my own. Um, Actually, I have the entire set, <clears throat> you know, with everybody's signature including stands um, somewhere somewhere in the house. Wow. Um, and then I have, like I said, an uncut sheet for one of the sets. Yeah. No, they, I've, I've, seen, I've seen a couple uh, come up on eBay. I think Tom DeFalco's came up on eBay UK recently. Tom DeFalco, yeah. Um, and it was unsigned, but it was just like, they're just, they're just really nice cards, and they've got their little panels that can be signed, you know, when you're at the con. Um, yeah. So, because I think there are some in the UK, because there were, there were cons in the UK that people, including Stan, came over to in the, in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. So, um, not that we, we don't have the big con circuit that you guys have in, in the US that I know. Um, you still, you still, I mean, obviously 2020 notwithstanding, you still do a fair, fair number of con appearances, were you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was supposed to do one in Florida on March, tw- weekend of March 20th, and that got oh. cancelled because that's when the lockdown began. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay, 2020. Let's uh, not dwell. Um, so, uh, uh, as 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 people listen to this, that will be so last year. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that will be over. Uh, this will be. So, this will be. Let's start moving towards Marvel masterpieces. Mm. All right, hold on. Everything's a cue for me. So Marvel masterpieces. <laughs> cue for me. Um, hold on. You mean, uh... Oh, yes. You mean these? Holy... Yep, Yep, that would do it. Yeah, yeah. So what we're seeing here, folks, is an uncut sheet of uh, Marvel Masterpieces base cards, um, which I have one here somewhere as well, (laughs) rolled up in a tube. That's amazing. Uh, They are rather beautiful pieces. Gorgeous. Yes, they're wonderful set. So we know we're, we're 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 blessed that that Joe is in Marvel Masterpieces Collector Group. In fact, he's in MCCW as well, and he's he occasionally pops on when he's got time, and he'll share um, something or a little tidbit, or he'll find some original. Uh, one of the things he did last year, which was nice, he found some uncut sheets of the promos that were released for the set that he had and he I think he had 10 of them and yeah, he, he very kindly like sold them into the group to members and, and did a little remark on each of them as well and I, I, I was lucky enough to manage to buy one from him so and, and he's 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 told us and we've read online in, in various interviews how how tight the turnaround was on that set and and, and how 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 short a time span he had to, to to create those pieces so and i think it came out what october 1992 so so when going back from that do, do you have any uh, recollection of actually okay when was masterpieces as a concept kind of 
formed? How, how did that happen and, and how did it lead to Joe becoming the artist chosen? Um, so I kind of vaguely remember, again, a lot of the, a lot of the ideas for uh, what sets to put out and in what, in what, um, what kind of format as far as the quality of the card stock and the finishes and case yeah. cards and all that. A lot of that came from, uh, for that, most of that came came from uh, Impel or Skybox or whoever sure. we were working with at the time. So they wanted to do a premium set and quote, we came up with the name Marvel Masterpieces. I don't know who came up with it. And, um, and it would be unlike the previous sets, which were, which were much closer to the way comic books look. They were black line art with color. Yeah, this right. would be a set that would be um, painted, you know, have a more of a of a full a full illustrative look. Mm. And I'd been working with Joe as a, you know as an editor. I'd been working with Joe for years. He'd done a lot of covers for me, painted covers for uh, various projects that I was the editor of. And you know, terrific talent. Loved the ca- loved the characters. Knew the characters. Um, and I thought he'd be the perfect person to execute this entire set if he were available. And foolishly, he said yes. He drove himself crazy for the next several months. I'm sure I helped. And, um, <laughs> you know, because deadlines are deadlines and, uh, you know, the work had to get done. As, uh, as I recently rediscovered, Marvel did not even advertise that Joe was the sole artist of the set and its initial promotional materials because we weren't sure he'd be able to finish it. <laughs> But he kept wow. plugging away, and he and he finished it. So uh, and he did a great job. And you know, Joe, like so many of our of the artists that I worked with back then, you know, just has the amazing capacity to come up with a single image that defined a character that tells you so much about a character. And uh, and that's what we were going for. We wanted to, you know, we had well, a trading card gives you one opportunity to say this is who this character is, and and he was he was like the perfect person to do that. So. Um, you know, it was a great experience working with him. It was a, it was a great set. Uh, you you might have heard the, the, the one, the, the biggest hurdle, the biggest uh, hurdle, the wrong, wrong word, the biggest kink in the whole operation was the Wonder Man card. Have you heard about that? No. No, this is oh, new. you haven't. No. Okay. Do you happen to have it nearby? Uh, yes, it's over here. Hang on. If you could show it. That would be, uh, you know, good to do a show and tell about this one. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so. While you're looking it up, so as you as comic book fans might be aware, Wonder Man was also in his uh, comic book personality an actor. So Joe thought it would be a good idea to show Wonder Man. Yeah. There he is. Okay, holding the Academy Award. <laughs> as you can see in that card, he's not holding the Academy Award, which is gold color. So. Um, at some point, I'm not sure how, but our legal department was made aware that Academy Award people were not going to give us permission to show the Academy Award on our card. You know, we'd wow. If we showed their trademarked or uh, you know image of the Academy Award yeah. on our Marvel trading cards. So we had to contact Joe at the very last minute. The whole set is done. I believe he was at a convention somewhere. He might have been in San Diego or something. He said, Joe. You gotta you gotta paint out the Academy Award and paint something else in there instead. So at the very last moment, you know, he was in his hotel room fixing up that card so that we can get it out there. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. it. I had no idea. That's 
freaking great. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just giving it to you. I'm giving you the story from like you know three thousand miles away from wherever he, whatever, whatever hotel room he was panning <laughs> or trying to get it done. But if you ever get around to speaking to Joe, ask him about that. He'll 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 probably freak out all over again. <laughs> oh, well, we'll have to get yeah. that bleep. We're we're, we're hoping we're hoping at some, at some stage we we will be able to talk to Joe. Yeah. Uh, we always he'll, um, he'll, he'll tell you with a lot more emotion than I would. I'm sure we will. He's 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 been absolutely wonderful um, in engaging with with people who are fans of his work. So um, hats off to him for that. In fact, that's a nice little seg- segue onto Marvel Universe three, so 1992, which of course Joe did the backgrounds on those, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a very very big shift in terms of the style. Um, it's just oh, and. That yeah, that is just amazing. And <laughs> Joe found the original painting of those backgrounds. Uh, yeah, so with this, yeah, that, with this that I wanted to take Marvel Universe quite literally, mm-hmm. and and have a universe as the background for each car. Uh, <sighs> so I commissioned Joe to do a background, and as you can see, there's. There's galaxies and stars and all sorts of, you know, nebulas exploding and everything else, all connecting all these cars into one giant image. And it was was kind of a logistical nightmare because we had to place each card on a background, on a background that's this size and tell Joe, okay, here's where you put a nebula. Here's where you put a galaxy. You know, don't have it. Don't have it covered up by the artwork that's going on in the card. You know, you could do it in these interspaces. And uh, there was a challenge, and he, he liked the challenge. He kind of rose to the occasion. But, um, you know, it made the cards really special, I think. Um, oh, 100%. It's yeah. actually one of my favorite card designs of all time. Um, the shapes behind each character, uh, circles, the triangles, you know, the rectangles, all that kind of really amazing stuff. I love how you have that dimensional shift. And I think the concept comes across really clear. Yeah, I love yeah. That design. we we you know we always try to put in extra stuff. You know, not just like yeah. here's a character. You know, here's a description of who they are. We we try to pack as much in there as we could to um, you know to appeal to the, the card collecting audience out there, and so they could discover these 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 little things that got, might might go under the radar to the casual person, but to somebody who's really into it, they can. Um, you know, they can discover all of this stuff about it. Excuse yeah. me, I'm getting a phone call <laughs> from my mother. If you need to take it, sir. Yeah, we can edit, so no worries. That, that was my mother. Okay. Oh. So I, 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 I have to hats off to you there that you've got There She Goes by the Lars as your phone ring. That, that, oh. is, <laughs> that is just that is quality choice. That is quality oh, choice. You're finding out all sorts of things about me today. No, no, no. This is good. I, I can't remember what 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 Greg Greg's wife Jean her phone rang halfway through the interview, oh, and it doesn't actually come out on the audio what the phone ring was. But, but I remember we recognised it. Like, oh, yeah, we did recognise because we like all three of us started singing it because Greg's super yeah. like like weird like we are. So it was really funny. Uh, <laughs> but like funny how the tradition of Marvel Universe Series 3, the, the the cards we're talking about, the 1992 set, that tradition kind of still exists today. In Marvel Masterpieces 2018, uh, we talked to Simone Bianchi, and he also put 
it into a universe kind of context as well, right? The characters are Marvel characters, but they exist outside in this like special Marvel universe kind of world, right? Where it's very dystopian and cool structures and, and concepts behind every character. So it's crazy to see how, and obviously that probably is not the influence of the cards, but the cards influence that kind of choice from illustrators. And I think that's just such a fantastic way to tell a story and an image. And it's just so interesting to see how you are responsible for kind of coming up with this concept and breathe it into life, into trading cards. It's just phenomenal, phenomenal. We, yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, very similar to what, what we were talking about earlier with um, Transformers, where um, none of this stuff had been established yet. There were no rules. So, what I and uh, my staff, my editorial staff, Arnie Sawyer, whatever we came up with, if we wanted to do it, there was no one. There was there were some challenges, but there was no one to tell us. You know, you can't do that. You know, if we went to um, Impel or Skybox, like Ken Baroff, we mentioned earlier, if I went to him and said, "Hey, I want to do, you know, the hundred cards uh, on the first and second sheet of." Uh, of the Marvel Universe 1992 edition, you know, want to do him as one big image. By that point, you know, he was used to us. He was saying, yeah, let's do it. Let's figure out how to make this happen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know we were, we were a good, good team. We, we fed off each other. And I know, I know uh, Ken um, was promoting um, before this 92 set, you know, that we can do uh, uh, nine, nine cards together as one big puzzle card. And we started that with X, the X-Men set. We did the, the Danger Room as one big That's piece. Right. And um, I think he pushed it. And I, I think he'd been pushing something like that for a while. And uh, finally, he convinced us that it could be done. And we came up with a way to do it. We came up with, okay, here's how we're going to do the artwork. And the Danger Room is the perfect opportunity to do it because we can we can scatter a lot of characters among the Danger Room. And, and, and so uh, and once we were able to established that it was done for that we were able to do it for other sets wow well it's phenomenal too because the nine page is kind of a hallmark of marvel cards right it's so integral in the sets now and so important to us um and then of course jim lee being the artist of X-Men in that set, which is still today a beautiful set. I remember how Ken was talking to us about the Danger Room. Remember that, Ian? And how excited he was to get it to fit on the nine-page thing and talking about how the complication of trying to get it logistically to fit in there so it can be cut evenly. You know what I mean? So it looked nice. Oh, there it is. Hello. Hello, lovely. You can see uh, the Danger Room is partially put together at the bottom. Yeah. And then uh, another section... Somewhere else, uh, maybe over here. Yeah, because part of it's over here. Yes, it's over there. You can see all that. Um, anyway, so he figured out how it could be done, and because uh, as you know, they have to um, print these cards so that they're randomly selected yeah. and put in packs. And they yeah, well, how they show up on the sheets and all that. So, um, so anyway, it was a lot of fun figuring it out, and the artwork that came out of it, especially for this. Uh, well, starting with this X Men Danger Room, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, it is gorgeous. Every time we, we challenge the artists to do something like this, they rose to the occasion. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, yeah, those are my first introduction to X Men was from the cards from Jim Lee's art. I think a lot of people, um, you know what I mean, born in 85, 86, around that time, are coming back and looking at Jim Lee's work and just being like, ah, oh, this was like influential for my love of X Men. You know what I mean, and so forth. So it's well, pretty. Well, Norman, cool. you're you're you were the uh, you were the target audience. You know, we're, 
We could hook, hook you on the X-Men and start buying those comic books. You know, that's, uh, that's If it was on a street corner, I'd be there in a cardboard box, okay? Life would <laughs> be very different for me if this was an illegal thing. <laughs> to be okay, fair, you, the amount fun. of money that we spend these days on cards, we're almost both in cardboard boxes, but <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's uh, not dwell on that too much. It's yep. Actually, uh, while you mentioned target audience, uh, I just want to roll back slightly because the, the one thing that – at the very beginning, the Marvel British department, which I know is different to Marvel UK because that was a different thing that came later. Um, of course, I was of the age where your efforts in the Marvel British department were, were kind of my introduction, if you like, because all that Marvel content was put out weekly in, in, in UK um, editions. Um, you had Spider-Man Comics Weekly is the big one I remember. Um, and there were a number of other different ones in the, in the kind of late seventies, early eighties. Um, and then Spider-Man and Zoids, Spider-Man and Zoids was, was the one that kind of started me off. Now, I think, I think that had moved to Marvel UK at that point. Um, but that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of where I started. If you like those, those UK, um, editions those uk reprints so uh thank you for that bob <laughs> <laughs> well it seems like I, I got my claws into both of you at different times you know and and thousands and thousands of other now adults it's so, like yes. you're here right now it's so <laughs> yes, weird so we are, we are <laughs> get out of my head um so um so marvel masterpieces 90 obviously 94 was tim and greg Right. And, uh, beautiful. Ninety three was um, was uh, was a, a number of different artists. If I remember, obviously Joe did some pieces for that. Um, I think Ray, Ray Largo was in there. Sinkevich was in there. Um, I believe um, is it Jim Steranko might have had. Uh, let's see, is Steranko in here? Uh, yes. Oh, that's uh, an uncut from ninety three. I've never seen one of those ever. Oh my god! How dare you! Wow. I, I want to say just for the just for the record, you know, I listened to the interview you had with Ken Baroff, and he he pulled out all the swag as you guys were talking. I felt I couldn't <laughs> let that go. I had a I don't know if I can reach his level, but I have some, and I have to show off some of it. So anyway. I have to say, I have to say, you 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 might have trumped him on that one. I mean, he had the shiny binders. I'm keeping track. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't have a 93 uncut sheet. I've never actually seen one of those before. There there are some pieces in there that, to to this day, remain my all-time favorite masterpieces. Here's a Starenko one. That's it. That was the truth. There it is. Mm. That's right. We just spoke to Bill Sinkovich, too, and he was talking about the work he did on those. Just phenomenal set. Probably one of my favorites. Yeah, I think oh, I is, this, is this his Wolverine over here? It looks like him. I think it, I know that's yeah. his Hulk for sure, but that's definitely yeah. his Wolverine. Uh, that's his Ghost Rider on row two. Yeah, it looks like his Hulk yeah. over here. Yeah. Vol- well, you got uh, Julie Bell in there too, right? And that's the first time she oh, yeah, started getting the on the set. Perhaps. Yeah, baby. And, and the Iron, Iron Man, Man too, Julie as well. Yeah, anything shiny, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> we gave her all, she, you know, we weren't stupid. We gave her the shiny ones. She's good at shiny stuff. She, <laughs> she said that when we spoke to her. She, she said did that say that. That was really she funny. She was a trip. Her there voice is, was so nice. There are yeah. some artists in there who, who to this day, are. Um, I've I've not really seen them on other sets, and then to this day, they actually um. um uh, uh, bewitching is is the artwork. I, I I can never actually quite read the right because the the artist writing on the back of the ninety three sets is so incredibly small. Uh, yeah. Michael uh, Kaluta 
Um, that Doctor Strange is still one of my favorite Doctor Strange. Yeah. It's just uh, such a nice concept and design. Just really pretty. Really, really, really nailed that kind of supernatural glass, stained glass thing. Really nice. And I believe he did the storm as well, which is just beautiful. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. yeah, he did storm, yeah. 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 Um, and it's an artist I've not heard of much before since, actually. I, 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 and I, I really do need to kind of um, try and track down more of his other work. But um, so how did this set's obviously got got a number of artists coming through was that was that um because of kind of time constraints in order to do a full set um like learning from the lessons of 22 or how did, how well, did there was, that there was no mandate to have one artist do the entire set as we, we had done with with uh joe jusco in the 92 set so oh okay we just changed it up and we you know like we knew especially i think um after what Joe went through trying to squeeze his whole set into a schedule, yeah. it's a big ask to, to ask one single artist to produce a hundred different cards or whatever the quantity is <clears throat> within a very <clears throat> limited time frame. So um, it just made sense to, to divide it up among a bunch of different artists. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think, you know, it's, <clears throat> it may not be as iconic as having a single artist like Joe Jusco or like the Hildebrands do an entire set, but it's a very nice looking set overall. It's a beautiful set. 100%. It's a beautiful set. Well, Ian and I talk about that all the time because there's definitely people who are in two camps where, you know, people want one artist, you know what I mean, <clears throat> um, for masterpieces just like traditionally. But Ian and I talk about this all the time. I love seeing like the different works i think i just i just think it's special because you're getting to like deep dive into multiple perspectives you know i don't know i have always i've always been a huge fan of that as well the um the one regret that i have um i mean i don't have too many regrets about the cards he put out when i was working on them <clears throat> is that um arthur adams who's a phenomenal mm. he did a lot of cards for us and they were all beautiful and he would have liked to do an entire set by himself and we never gave him the opportunity who knows why, but, you know, probably deadlines or, you know, just didn't just the fit wasn't right there. But uh, he would have done a phenomenal set if he had the opportunity to do an entire set by himself. Uh, but, you know, the reality is these sets have to be produced within a certain time frame. That was the overriding concern. And uh, and and I know from a fan point of view, it's like, well, why didn't you have so and so do a set or so and so do a set? Well, they're they're human beings. They have they have other things going <laughs> yeah. on. In their lives. Yeah, they can't just stop everything and do an entire set for. for you mean you didn't have artists in a special room that you would let out every once in a while? And you know, we did for a while, and Human Services found out about it, and they told us you can't do that. <laughs> take the locks off the doors, and, and like, give, give them some fresh air every day. So those um, sick bastards, whatever. Yeah, That's yeah, they fine. They had rules. They had rules back then. You actually rules. have to feed them. Yes, apparently. That's yeah. feed yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> the water. Them. Um, so, um, I Mark Bagley did that amazing um, oh. Spider-Man '94 set, which I have over here somewhere. Binders, binder. I'm looking at a wall of binders here, Bob, and you can't you can't see it because it's on it's behind the camera. But because not every set has its own binder, it's it's quite difficult sometimes knowing which. <laughs> <laughs> which set I've put in which binder? I have a feeling I have put it in with the Fleer Use your Ultra, card sense. the Fleer Ultra Spider Man binder that came out for the '95 Fleer Ultra set. I have a feeling it has it conveniently has room in for the '94 Mark Bagley set as well. It does. Here it is. Um, so obviously Mark was very much. Um, 
he was the main artist at that time. Obviously, you know, first Venom was during his tenure, I believe. Um, not first Venom, uh, first Carnage uh, was during his tenure. Um, just of course, Venom was um, uh, Todd McFarlane. Um, and what I love about this set more than anything else is the the way that it's so interconnected as one ah, artwork right. image i mean this is obviously this is one of the the master print promos that came out this is um one of the uh, uh i love these promos they're, they're so beautiful to collect um so obviously that was a whole artist a whole one artist doing that um how uh, how, how did that come about because obviously that that is a big ask for someone who am i right in thinking he was still doing the monthly oh yeah he was Art yeah. duties yes yes um wow. uh, he um well unlike other artists like i'll use Ar- arthur adams as an example um Ar- you know i love arthur, arthur adams work and uh, he's wonderful no, mark was a lot faster so it was a lot easier to ask somebody like Mark to draw an entire set of trading cards, and um, and you know without him disturbing his regular uh, commitment to a monthly Amazing Spider-Man comic book. So um, it just worked out. I don't remember the exact dates. You know, like you, know, you have from this date to that date to do it, but sure. he was able to do it. And uh, you know, he, he's a wonderful guy to work with. You know, he, he's, he was. Uh, up for the challenge you could see each i don't know about each set of nine but uh, but most of the card cards were, were designed around a set of nine cards that fit together yeah and he just loved it he just loved the challenge of, of putting it together and making it work killed it just absolutely amazing and there are some very of the time deep cuts here that you just don't see even now in 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 spider-man retrospective sets like characters like sticks and stone who were very spider-man in the 90s but wow. i don't think i've heard them <laughs> heard them mentioned That's since not great. even in the not even in the Fleer ultra spider-man 2017 set that came out that i don't know if, <laughs> if you're aware of the modern stuff that comes out bob but um um but they they did that set in 2017 that was very much a, a throwback to the um uh, and and we kind of paid homage to the style of the Flea Ultra Spider-Man uh, 1990s set. You know, characters like Silvermane and, and Blood Rose. Are you just sorry, I'm I'm, I'm geeking. I'm geeking. Blood Rose is that, so cool. You get well, me you into that, that Spider-Man. At that time, if we we're doing a set, well, any set, frankly, but especially like a set that was specific to a brand, in this case, Spider-Man. Uh, Myself and my editorial team, we didn't just say, oh, we're going to do Silvermane. We'd go down, we'd go down the hall, speak to the editors of the Spider-Man books and say, hey, who is current? Who should be included in this set? And whoever they thought were the current characters that the fans would know, you know, or, or should know if they're, if they're not currently buying a comic book, then uh, that's what we put into the set. Yeah. Love it. And, that's and, great. I, and I think that's what uh, kind of sets my pleasure centers tingling a little bit if you pardon the expression <laughs> is the is the um is the fact that it's you could do that that you were it, it came from the same editorial and creative place that were putting out the monthly comic books so these card sets come from the same wellspring source which i think is why it, they're obviously you know looking back now they they succeed so well because there is that connective tissue there um kind of baked into the fabric of it but also because um the you know these are the sets that very much set 
the blueprint. You know, you were breaking new ground. You were doing what you effectively you were world building in terms of how these sets could be and how they how they worked and 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 you know that has become the bedrock of of, of countless sets since uh, um, and still. Um, do you is there? Do you think back on it at all? You know, you've mentioned Arthur Adams. You know, could have done uh, his own set and was 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 up for it. Did you have any other kind of uh, ideas for sets that maybe you had planned or would have liked to do but didn't come to fruition at, at all? Or do you kind of feel like it all kind of landed on the page? Um, I don't remember. I mean, frankly, when you're working on it. It's like, okay, here's a schedule for 1992. We're doing, you know, X-Men, Marvel Universe, Marvel Masterpieces. Yeah. That's an exhausting schedule. It's not like like I'm saying, oh, can we fit in a a set about the Hulk or the Avengers? You know, it's like, okay, sure. That's what you want. We'll we'll get working on it. Um, So it wasn't wasn't like I was looking that much into the future as far as, um, you know, I was just figuring out, well, how are we going to make this set different than the previous set? Uh, Make it stand out, make it uh, appealing, make it fresh. And, um, and, and, and that was, you know, most, most of my focus back then. And so if I had ideas about what else I wanted to do, I've long since forgotten them because they were never while I was in charge and I moved on. As you can see, my, my sets went, went through 1994. And after that, I was no longer involved because things changed. I was moving on to different responsibilities and the cards were taken in a different direction by different people who were yeah. in charge of them at that point. And so I, uh, I stepped out, I stepped out of the, you know, off, off the stage, let somebody else take care of it. Mm. Mm. Wow. Well, um, you certainly made an impression. Goodness me. I'm just, <laughs> just the, 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 the breadth of the, of the, of the stuff that's here, obviously, uh, the artists involved, um, did, did tremendous work as well. I, um, are you are you still in any way uh, aware of what happens in, in in Marvel trading cards at all, or you know how Not it works really, these days? No. no, no, no. It's a slippery slope, man. Be careful, okay? No, I was, I was, <laughs> I was going to say, start would, going would you, down there. If, if they picked up the phone to you tomorrow, yeah. the current manufacturers of the trading cards, would you ever want to have anything to do with producing them again, even as just a a, a one off? Do you think? Um. Sure. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> if it, random if scenario. Yes. I don't read the comic books. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know the last 25 years of comic book history. So I don't know how much I have to, to offer, yeah. you know, other than uh, maybe coming up with some original ideas of how to present the cards. Mm-hmm. And my original ideas, for all I know, might have been executed since I left working on cards. Like, oh, we did that, you know, two years ago. We did that three. I have no idea. So um, I'm. I might be able to offer something, but remains to be seen. Mm. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this I, is crazy. I, I love, uh, listen, I know that it's a long time ago and I know your, 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 um, your recollections of all of it might, might not be quite as, um, um, quite as detailed as if it was yesterday, but uh, what you've told us, I uh, just think is, is fascinating. I, you know, what, what, what we're trying to do when we speak to people like you who are kind of on the ground, you know, you were making these sets yeah. is just kind of get under the skin of, you know, what it was like to create them, you know, and, and how, you know, how things came about and kind of the old history of it that no one's really spoken to anyone about. No one's really yeah. documented it. So, you know, everything you've, you've told us today is a bonus. It's stuff we didn't know before. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you so I'm much. For share. That. <laughs> Happy to share. Thank you for that. Um, I, I, no, and I, I don't know if I've got anything else I, I want. I can ask Bob at this point. I'm just, I'm still, I'm still reeling on the Wonder Man. Um, no, I have, I have maybe like one or two questions. One, you know, you showed us a lot of uncut sheets. You know, just if you can text me your address when you get a chance, just <laughs> by the offhand, you know, just let me know where you're at. Restraining just, order. You know, I don't know if I'll come by or anything. <laughs> That's weird. I will say, um, uh, I recently inventoried my uncut sheets. I have about 174. Oh, good grief. Okay. Not that wow. I want to keep them all, but I do have a lot. Well, we will be talking, you good sir, because that's amazing. Um, no, on, in all seriousness, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. Did you have any questions for us? You, you mentioned before that you might have one or two questions for us or something you want to ask. Or oh, just like a, a couple of things, which is um, – is this we're still on the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, we're still we recording, can, but we can, yeah, we can edit or we can edit. Why don't we save my questions till after the podcast? So I don't love it. They're, they're more uh, off topic a little. Bit, so. our, our listeners can 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 speculate on that one, um, <laughs> and um, anyone who who posts a comment that's closest to what Bob asked us will win a prize. Um, uh, Bob. Thank you so much uh, for spending this time with us. Um, uh, you know, I know that it, you know it was a job, and you did it, and you kind of moved on. Um, I, I just want to say thank you. I, I said this to Greg. You know, it. You know, these were these were things that you created as, as as part of your job, and I know that there was a creative aspect to it, but but they are so um, appreciated and loved by a lot of people that we speak to who are still getting into the set. Some people who are new to them and didn't get them when they were kids in the nineties. And some people are getting their children into them. So they still have a life and um, people are still collecting them and people are still trading them uh, crazy yes. though it sounds. So, you know, thank you for all that you, you've done to create these sets. You, you did, you know, chart a course and you have collectively as a team, all of you who worked on this, kind of set the standard if you like you know for the modern era 100 trading cards so thank you i i um so i kind of realized that when after a couple of years of doing doing these sets of cards i started seeing card sets from uh, competitors from dc and maybe i don't know image or some i don't know who and i said these look just like the cards you put out last year <laughs> <laughs> well imit imitation is the sincerest form of flattery right, right, right. <laughs> as, as as i believe it was oscar wilde said that i can't remember anyway um, uh, bob thank you um do you remember how we we sign off our podcast enjoy collecting thanks for listening to the marvel card collectors podcast visuals and tasting notes for each episode can be found on our Facebook page. You can subscribe and leave us a voicemail via our home on anchor.fm forward slash mccp. We're also on iTunes, Spotify and all major podcast platforms. Please take a second to subscribe, like and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. Our podcast can be found by googling at the MCC pod, which will also find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram. Our Facebook community is at MCCW, Marvel Car Collectors worldwide and mmc marvel masterpieces collectors the great music we use is called rocket power by kevin mcleod thanks to the collectors artists and creators who support the marvel cards fan collective we'll see you next time and remember it's a small hobby but a fun one make mine marvel and enjoy collecting